You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. There are many different paths you can take, but there's only one road to Atlanta. A high drive deep out to left field. He clubbed it. Brady twisting and turning, looking up and giving up. It's a home run for Danby Swanson. Flair out towards shallow right. That's big trouble. Albies going back. He dives and he makes the catch. What a play, Ozzy Albies. Swanson is headed for three. He'll try for it inside the Parker. Relay throw comes toward the plate. He'll score standing, and it's his second inside the park home run of the season. This is your weekly podcast dedicated to the Atlanta Braves farm system. Follow the show on Twitter at Road, the number two, Atlanta. Now, hit the road with your hosts. Eric Cole, Gaurav Vidak, and Garrett Spain. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Road to Atlanta, a podcast devoted solely to the Braves farm system and Braves prospects. I am one of your hosts, Eric Cole. You may recognize me from my work over on BatteryPower.com, where I've been the WD site manager since 2018 and the minor league editor since 2015. After a, uh, a week off last week because he was quite sick, he is still not feeling great, but my regular co-host is back on the mic tonight. Uh, you can follow him over on Twitter at BravesMILB. Garrett Spain, how are you feeling and how are you, my buddy? I am glad to be back talking baseball. Yeah, I was uh, sick pretty much all last week, but uh, still got a bit of a lingering cough, but I feel a whole lot better. So uh, definitely got to be back and not, uh, you know, dying. Yeah, you said you you seem like you're pretty rough. When whenever Garrett's like, look, I don't feel good. I can't record tonight, and that's like not prompted by me. You know, like wondering. I know he's not feeling good because he loves doing the show. So once you're like, yeah, we can't record. I can't record tonight. I'm just not feeling good. I was like, okay, well, I'll record a solo show and you know motor through things. So glad to have you back. Obviously, I am also glad to be back uh, after a bit of a family trip this past weekend. It is entirely too much driving. And I'm certainly still recovering from that, but we want to make sure we got a show out to you guys to talk to you a little bit about the Braves minor league action, especially with this rain delay that's going on in Washington, where the seemingly the one of the smallest little chain of cells is going through Washington, D.C., and is somehow going to make this game start like two hours later or whatever. But that kind of brings us to the major league level, Garrett. And we're, again, for those who aren't aware, who haven't listened to the show before, we just go through, we talk a little bit about the kind of our guys who are, if they haven't, if they've either they haven't graduated quite yet or they're recent graduates from kind of prospect them. We talk a little bit about what's going on in the major league guys. And then we go level by level from Gwinnett to Mississippi to Rome to Augusta, all four levels of the Meyer leagues. Uh, we may touch a little bit on the end about what's going on in the, the Florida coast league and the DSL. But beyond that, th- that's the kind of the general ideas that we go through and we talk a little bit about kind of each level. So you get you guys all caught up in what's going on with your favorite prospects and maybe some names that you don't normally keep an eye on. So first things first, Garrett, talk to us a little bit what's going on with the guys who are in the majors. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of been the same few guys. I mean, at this point, William Contreras and Spencer Strider have been so great for the Braves all year that it feels like, I mean, they're out of our hands now, right? They're MLB-level guys, and they seem like they're fairly well entrenched there. And, 
I mean, they've both been fantastic. I think we both expected that, you know, with Contreras doing so well, it kind of takes the sting out of, you know, a little bit out of the, you know, losing Shea Langoliers in the trades this offseason. It's just, they've done fantastic. Contreras has blown my mind with how good he's been with, you know, we knew he could hit the ball a long way, but as many as home runs as he's hit this year, he's been great. I mean, but now our guy and the guy that has not graduated yet is Michael Harris. And I mean, his first couple of weeks in the big leagues, he's been really, really good. You know, there is some batted ball up there, but even once you factor that out, I mean, he's been solid with the bat and defensively. I mean, he's a star in center field. He's solidified that outfield defense. He's allowed Adam Duvall to move off of having to play center field, which was really putting a lot of stress on him. And, you know, he's a very good hitter for a guy that's going to hit in your nine spot. He plays great defense and he helps the team. He makes the team deeper, especially defensively. I mean, what he's done with this team, he came up very quickly and you can tell there is some immaturity there in terms of his approach and things like that because of not having a ton of experience, but He's been as good as we had hoped he would be, and right now he's he's not the instant franchise-changing star like Ronald Acuna Jr. was. You know, we never expected that for him, but he's been solid, and he's given us even more confidence that like this is going to be the guy for the Braves in center field going forward for a long time. Yeah, and what's nice about Harris is that even in like for example, he'll like go one for four in a game with a single or whatever. He's also really good about like a ball that would normally be a double play. He runs, he beats out and he's on base makes plays happen with his legs, you know, takes those extra bases, scores, extra runs. All those things have still been going very well. He still hasn't been, been turning on pitches or anything like that. I think he's still figuring out how opposing pitchers are going to pitch to him consistently. They've certainly challenged him uh, early on that uh, kind of treating him like a rookie. Like, you know, we're, I'm going to make you beat me with the, with these pitches or whatever. And that's, you know, resulted in him rolling over some balls and things like that. But overall he's, you know, he, he's, he's getting extra base hits. The only thing I wish he would do a little bit more is draw walks. But again, he's got his, he's seeing a lot of strikes at the moment. So I'm not like necessarily going to knock him too much for that. Once, you know, pitchers kind of realize how to pitch to him and what he's good and not good at. Um, and you know, and ultimately how he settles into the major leagues is going to dictate how that happens. I think we're going to start those, see those walks creep up. We've seen this happen with him before where he'll have like street, like stretches early on either in a season or at a level that he just doesn't walk all that much. But once he kind of gets into kind of understanding, you know, the pitchers he's up against getting more comfortable, he starts drawing those walks more, gets on base more, uh, overall really nice to have him, especially, you know, with Ronald Cunha right behind him, it just seems like Really good things can happen and big innings can happen quickly, even coming out of the bottom of the order, which the Braves haven't happened had in a long time. I don't know if that's necessarily where Michael Harris is going to stick long term. Realistically, I don't think he's going to be a guy who's going to be your nine hole hitter for the rest of his career. I think he's a little bit too good for that. But it's really been nice to see. And the, obviously the work in center field has been sterling. He has a real shot, you know, in the National League. He's got a real chance to win a, win a gold glove in center field if he keeps up this work. We'll see if that actually happens. But he's going to put himself into some cons- consideration for some award talk with rookie of the year and uh with some gold glove stuff if he keeps playing well especially if the power starts you know playing more in games uh now that takes us to uh, the actual minor leagues rather than just the guys that we kind of wish we could be talking about again in our recaps and we're going to start with triple a Gwinnett had some good pitching performances down there the offense largely has not been particularly awesome in Gwinnett this past week Garrett so talk to us a little bit what what happened yeah it was a Bit of a rough week there. I think the biggest, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, that Kyle Muller has not really had like a start this year that felt like 
he was out there dominating. But this week, I mean, he put up arguably his best start of the season. He struck out nine guys over six scoreless innings. There were a few more walks than we wanted to see from him. And that's, again, something that he has to work on. But seeing that kind of dominant, not letting guys score, striking out a ton of guys, that's something we haven't really seen. He's just kind of consistently being solid all year. And having that one really good start is a good sign. And hopefully he'll have a few more of those going forward. Uh, the best start of the week was Waskari Noah, who threw seven no-hit innings, and that's, I mean, I, he was fantastic. Uh, a lot of weekly hit balls. Uh, it, his command was as good as we've seen it from him. And then Sunday he pitched again, and he wasn't nearly as yeah, good. Not so it, was mostly, yeah. it was mostly one inning. He had a bad inning, allowed a couple home runs that – really hurt him. I mean, obviously you allow a couple home runs in an inning that's going to hurt you. So it was, it was not a like dreadful two inning, six runs type start. It was four runs over four innings. It just was not nearly as good as early in the week, but that first start, I mean, that's as good as we've seen him. And I'm not convinced of him long-term as a starter, but we, if he can put up more starts like that, he may start to get more looks. Um, Right now, it seems like the rotation in Atlanta is pretty well set. But if a guy goes down with injuries and he has some starts like that, he could get an opportunity again. Uh, Tucker Davidson had a, I mean, 11 strikeouts over seven innings, really good start, allowed three runs, I think it was, but two home runs there, which it's great that he's striking out guys. Not so great that he's giving up the home runs. That's kind of one of those things where he doesn't, typically give up a lot of home runs in the minor leagues so you yeah kind he, of expect, he made just a couple bad pitches right yeah. you kind of expect that that's just one of those fluky things where he gave up a couple home runs the more important thing is he struck out 11 guys because he has had times you know last year he was missing a ton of bats and he hasn't done that as well this year seeing that start was a good sign for him bryce elder is the one that has not been all that great lately he he seems to do really well for three or four innings and then it starts to get away from him, especially as he gets deeper into games. And some of that is he'll like leave two guys on base and then the bullpen will come in and just like implode on him and allow everybody the, to he gives he gives inherited <laughs> runners for him. He, that he happens, is cursed. That happens a lot with him. And so that does hurt his line overall. But he's really the command still has not the command is still not where it was last year. Uh, and that's I mean that has to improve with him. If he does, if he's not commanding the ball, his stuff is not good enough to get away with that. And he needs to see that command improve in order to get another opportunity at the major level, which I think he will get. And I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced that this is a long term. His command is just not good enough. It just feels like he needs to make those micro adjustments to rein it in. Um, and once you know we still have a lot of faith in him we still we had him i think we both had him as a top three prospect in the system coming into the year and i still have that level of not faith sure quite that high but yeah he was he was up there for me um or top four or five something like that but i mean he was up there with guys like muller and we're confident that if that command comes back the stuff is good enough and all of his stuff moves a ton as long as he can command it uh offensively uh, yeah like you said it, it wasn't the best of weeks um but the prospects on the team actually didn't have a horrible week. Uh, Grayson Janista was fine last week, had a home run last week. Drew Waters had one really, really big game where he had like four hits and a home run, and he was 
pretty dreadful the rest of the week. That's kind of been a theme for him the last couple of weeks where he just hasn't been doing all that well. And it's it's one of those things with him where we saw this a lot last year where he'd go on like two or three game binges where he'd be fantastic and it'd bring up his numbers from being pretty awful the rest of the time. And he's kind of fallen into that pattern again this year. The strikeouts are lower than they were last year, which is a good sign. It's just they're not at the point where we feel confident that, you know, yeah, this is a guy that's going to figure it out soon and get to the major level. He's a guy that the Braves are going to have to be patient with, and they can't at this point count on him to be a major league talent. Now we believe in the talent. He's obviously very talented. And if, and when he figures it out, he's going to be a fantastic player. It's just a matter of when will that come? If it ever does. And right now the improvements are coming very slowly for him. Braden Shoemake uh, struggled for quite a while offensively. He had a few weeks there where he wasn't very good. Um, the power lately for him has not been all there. Um, we saw, you know, early in the season, he had some streaks where he would hit a lot of extra bases. Lately, that hasn't really been there for him, but he is still hitting the ball consistently. He has a five-game hitting streak going right now. Uh, he's still playing great defense. Uh, overall, I mean, he's played – he's had a really solid season. He hasn't been – Great all season, but he's been a lot better than he was last year. I think that we've seen a lot of good signs. It's just, again, I think the big thing for him is consistently hitting for that power. And we haven't seen that after some moments early in the season. He's gotten into a few balls that he's hit a long way, but he isn't consistently hitting the ball hard. Uh, But as long as he keeps getting on base at the rate he is, if the power develops, I mean, it's a very interesting guy, especially with his defensive ability. Yeah, just a couple notes from me. Uh, I'm t- I'm with you. I think that Eno is just a reliever, and I I understand why they keep trying him as a starter if for no other reason that they just don't have a lot of guys Equinet that they can you know <laughs> trot out in their rotation that you have any amount of confidence in. There's only so many times where you can go with the bullpen game with Connor Johnstone as your opener uh, if you want to have you know any sort of chance of really developing the guys that you want to develop on your team because it's. Gwinnett is a weird roster right now in the sense that there's a lot of like veteran quad A guys. It feels a lot like an extension of the major league bench with a couple prospects on the team. Um, and I think that in Enoa's case, I think that he's just long-term going to be better served as a reliever. Maybe it's a, as a long relief option, or maybe he tries to reach back and tries to find that extra tick in the fastball that he can have it sometimes and try to be kind of one of those more high leverage guys. But to me, he just, he's too inconsistent and just doesn't have enough tools in the toolbox that especially if like his fastball command where like the fastball starts drifting back over the plate or the slider isn't diving out of the zone enough that he's just, he has to have both of those things going to be good. And he has had, again, he had the start where he was really good, but when he's not good, he, when he misses, it's bad news. Uh, I did like the way that Tucker looked in his start. He made like he had a couple hitters in the lineup that were giving him fits, and those are the guys that end up hitting the ball a long way against him. But overall, he was missing bats, uh, kind of getting that late movement on the fastball that we like to see from him when he's pitching well. Uh, it's almost like that. I've never really had too many issues with his command. It's just that when he's not particularly great, he's not fooling anybody because you have to throw pitches out of the zone to keep guys honest, right? But when like they know where the pitch is going to go and then you're not kind of getting that late movement and they're not being super deceptive, that it becomes a lot harder. And then guys just lay off the stuff that's out of the zone. And that's when he got, draws his walks. I mean, don't get me wrong. He has pitches that get away from him. But it's almost like when he's more deceptive, he kind of gets the swings on the pitches that he wants swings on and people aren't sitting on his stuff. Uh, 
tend to agree with you on Bryce Elder. I think his numbers look significantly worse than they would if you know, the whoever they would bring in to and the the bullpen. I mean, there are some bullpen options that come in to put out fires that are genuinely terrible at Gwinnett, <laughs> genuinely bad. Uh, that they come in and they, it's like a lock that the at least one of those inherited runners is going to score. Uh, again, you can't ever load, have really have a loaded bullpen at AAA because if your bullpen's good at AAA, then it's very likely that your best bullpen arm is going to be headed to the major leagues very quickly. So it's been kind of a bummer for him. But I tend to agree that later on in starts, he seems like he's struggling a bit, particularly with his command. He'll like he'll have three walks in the game, but two of them will be in the last inning that he pitches. Then he'll come out of the game and both those runners score because the you know the bullpen just you know can't seem to get the job done. So um, I'm a bit. I'm a bit bearish both on Braden Shoemaker and, and Drew Waters. I think that Drew is just not – he's not impacting the ball enough to justify kind of the other warts that he has with the, his approach and the swing and miss in this game. I think he's a really good defender out there. I think that he has all the tools in the world, but it just – he can't seem to find his way back to being the guy that, even when he was striking out a bunch, he was at least hitting a lot of doubles, hitting a lot of extra base hits. He's like a one-for-five type of guy right now with a single. And he might steal a base, and he might make a really good play in the outfield too, but he needs to kind of start asserting himself as a guy that can be a, a real threat at the plate. And right now he's just not that guy. And he's you know he's particularly brutal from that left side. He just hasn't been quite as good. Um, and in Braden's case, I just I don't see an impact bat there. Any, you know, I just don't. Uh, I think he's had to revert back to kind of the style that he had when he first became a pro to actually be a relatively decent hitter. I think that his time in Mississippi and the early part of Gwin- his time in Gwinnett, he's just not he, – he just can't – he just doesn't drive the ball very well. The one thing I'm certain of is that he's a shortstop and that he's a good one. But beyond that, I just don't know if you'll ever really have an impact bat there. Um, and that's unfortunate for the Braves because – that means they have to kind of make some decisions about their the future of shortstop pretty quickly. And if Braden Shoemaker was you know hitting really well in Gwinnett, then they might have some more interesting decisions to make. But right now, it just seems like they have to kind of look at either bringing back Dansby or going elsewhere in free agency to kind of fill that hole. Uh, because Braden does doesn't to me doesn't look the part of the guy who you really want playing shortstop as your starter every day. Uh, now we go to Gwinnett. We're not going to Gwinnett. We're going to Mississippi, where it was a tough week down there in Mississippi. Um, They couldn't really hit the ball much. And, you know, we had some decent pitching performances. We also had a couple not-so-good pitching performances. So talk to us a little bit what's been going with the AA Mississippi Braves. Yeah, that offense was really, really bad last week. You know, not having, you know, Franklin is out for the year with uh, um, injury, and Harris is not on that team anymore, and... Suddenly, that offense is really, really thin. Um, C.J. Alexander was the only guy who had an OPS above 700 last week. And actually, Alexander had a solid week. Um, and he's, he's been, been really good for a few weeks. Year. Yeah. Um, he's been really good most of this year. He's still not a guy that we're uh, convinced of, but he's definitely been a lot better than he was in past seasons. But yeah, overall, I mean, that, that roster has really struggled lately after doing really well to start the year. The pitching staff is, you know, where they make their money. And Jared Schuster, he hasn't in the last few weeks had one of those, like, early in the season he was kind of dominating, you know, going seven innings, one run, zero runs, like really just being spectacular. Lately he's been more solid, you know. T- this week it was six innings, two runs. And, I mean, I, I, you can't complain about that, right? Like six innings, two runs is fantastic. It's just not – it wasn't as great as he was early in the season, but it's still really, really good. And he's been the most impressive player on that roster this season. Now that Harris is gone, he has 
been the guy that has impressed us the most. And he's improved his stock a lot for us, especially with his command. I mean, he didn't walk any guys this week, and he's not giving up as many home runs as he does, did last year. He's living on the edges more, and that's been a really impressive guy. Um, the guy who has not been so impressive is Freddie Tarnock. He was actually really great to start the week. Uh, he had a couple of really good innings, but then the rains came. He wasn't able to come back in the game. Sunday, he didn't even get out of the first inning because of pitches, and it's like, you know, he's been very inconsistent with his command, especially this year, and it feels like a lot of times he'll have one or two good innings, and then the command will just completely fall off the table, and the start will end up being very bad, and, you know, if he's not able to hold his command deep in games, he's going to eventually get pushed into the bullpen. That's His stuff is fantastic. We have no doubts about that. It's just the command is not as good as it was last year, and if that does not come back, it is going to be a question of how long they keep him as a starter. I don't know that – I don't think that decision happens this year, but it would be something that they might look at sometime next year. Uh, Darius Vines is a guy that – it feels like he's always having a really good start, and then all of a sudden he gives up a two-run home run or a three-run home run that really just completely ruins the start. It's now eight consecutive outings that he's given up a home run. Uh, he gave up three runs in his last outing this week. And it's just, it's other than the home runs, he's very, very good. The problem is he gives up so many home runs that you can't count on him to give you good outings. He's just, he's always going to give up that big hit. And in, Unless he starts living, getting away from that and starting to live on the edges more and miss more bats towards the edges of that, he's just going to be a guy that can't consistently give you innings and won't be able to advance. He's a guy that we've talked about where that fastball is a concern for him, and it has been a concern at double A. This is kind of the level where that is tested. And, you know, in a case we had the same questions about Schuster, Schuster has risen to the occasion. His command has improved. He's gotten better. Vines has not done that, and it's going to be a long road for him to try to kind of reverse course and get more towards the edges and not make those mistakes as consistently as he's making them. It's typically only a few mistakes a game, but when he makes those mistakes, it's fastballs over the plate, and guys at this level are good enough to hit that, and he hasn't been able to get away with that. And I'm, it's definitely not, you know, he's a guy we were hopeful for, but haven't been too terribly impressed with so far this season. Uh, Endo Diaz is a guy that started out the season really bad, had a slump a couple weeks ago where he wasn't striking out a ton of guys, but he's kind of gotten back. And, you know, the last three outings, he has eight strikeouts in three innings, this, which is really fantastic. And he's a guy that we liked last year a lot. We've soured on him a little bit, but I don't know that we've, it's just kind of a thing where he hasn't quite looked right consistently and Last year, he was consistently dominant. This year, it's kind of like he'll have two games where he's dominant, and then he's kind of just okay, and the command gets away from him. And if he can build up that consistency, that's a guy that we do like the arm talent, and we do see him as major league talent. He's just the command. He's not consistently commanding the ball up in the zone the way he is last year, and he can get hit a little bit, and especially he will walk a lot of guys when he's off. Yeah, the, the, some of the bullpen implosions that he had early on in the season were spectacular in nature. That they weren't like a couple guys here and there. They were just like complete and total, just absolute implosions, just like walks the world, walks in the winning run, those types of outings. It was really bad. So it was nice to see him make the turnaround. Uh, I think in Vine's case, one of the biggest differences between this year and last year is that he was always a guy that kind of gave up the solo home run last year, but he's giving up more base runners this year. He's walking a few more guys. 
uh, getting hit a little bit more, and that means that when that big hit comes, that it's just doing more damage. I still like Vines a good bit, uh, and I think he misses enough bats for the most part, but I tend to agree with you that I think that he's kind of living a little too much in the middle of the plate and kind of relying on his deception with his secondary stuff. Uh, you, I mean, you just you don't want to hang a curveball where he hangs them. You know what I mean? You don't want to put you don't want to put a straight fastball hoping that you've you know outsmarted the guy and you know when they guess right it's just going to go a long way. I think he just kind of needs to live more kind of on the the outer thirds a bit more. Uh, just stuff has been drifting a little bit, but overall I still I still like Bynes. Uh, Freddie Tarnock I'm concerned about. I think that his mechanics he just can't can he can't repeat his delivery on a day-to-day basis, particularly with his release point. Like he just seems like he's like, he's pulling balls off and like, you know, when he's missing, he's missing pretty badly. Uh, And I don't really know what the answer is there other than just kind of overall, just continuing to work at it and trying to get more consistent on the mound with his release point, getting more consistent on the mound with, you know, with his landings, all that stuff. Cause it seems like he, he just, when you watch him, he just doesn't look right. You know what I mean? He just doesn't look like he's staying online to the plate the way he needs to. And at least on a pitch to pitch basis, um, I, I, there's a concern there for me because it's a really live arm. He's got a long lever. He's got long levers and he has a, a history of having some command issues at times. And I really hope that they can kind of get this sorted out because he looked re- he looked like he had finally found all that stuff that we thought he had last year. And this year he just hasn't looked apart. Uh, Jared Suchar, I think has been great. It's kind of weird. Like the two bad starts he had were like shockingly bad, but beyond that, he was, he was, he's just been really, really good. I, he's kind of put himself firmly in contention to be a, a major league starter for the Braves in the long term. It's just the, the command of the fastball, just being able to hit his spots and just getting a little bit of extra movement made all the difference. And I do want to shout out CJ Alexander, like you did. He's actually been quite, quite good. This this year he's showing power. He's hitting for average, which I would have lost all the dollars in my bank account betting on that happening. I just I never after two years of just him having a terrible hit tool to turn make the turnaround that he has had to turn into you know he's hitting like 280 290 right now. Um, just has been one of the better hitters in the Mississippi lineup and has been a consistent offensive force. Really excited to see that because especially for a Mississippi team that's really going to struggle to score runs for a while. It's nice to see him turn that around. He's also a pretty good defensive third baseman, by the way. We kind of, we don't really talk about that with him enough is that he's actually a pretty good, he has a good arm over there and he can, he can pick him at that, pick the balls at third. So we'll see if he can continue to, to do that and kind of get himself back into prospect consideration. Although with the current state of the minor league system, you don't have to play particularly well to uh, warrant top 30 consideration these days, at least until the draft happens. Before we get into Rome and finish out with Augusta and a little bit of talk about the FCL, we're going to take a quick break to listen to a word from our sponsors. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Mm-hmm. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Garrett, it is time to talk the Rome Braves, uh, a franchise that is near and dear to our hearts. Uh, talk to us a little bit what's been going on because uh, they've been, it's been, this Rome team has turned out to be really interesting, uh, both on the offensive side and defensively. There's just guys who are like, kind of like weirdly good, guys who we obviously have liked for a long time, and guys who have come out of nowhere to surprise us. Yeah. The big prospect on the system, who's arguably you know now with Harris at the major league level, is might be the best prospect in the system overall is Von Grissom, and he's been he's been good this year. I mean, he's above average hitter at the level. He's young for the level. I think his defense has improved a bit. I'm still not a ton convinced that he's going to stay at shortstop, especially you know he has a questionable arm at that position, especially with his accuracy, but. He's been hitting the ball all over the place. He gets on base a ton, and that's what he does. But it's just, you know, he started out the year hitting for a fairly good bit of power. He hit for a lot of power at the end of last year. But so far, the last few weeks, the power hasn't been there, and it's kind of just been a lot of singles, ground balls to the hole, draw a walk, get hit by a pitch. He's always on base. He is always doing something in the game. He's just not necessarily impacting the ball right now, and he's a guy that he can hit it a long way. And we just, you know, last week, he really, again, it was one of those situations where he got on base a ton, but didn't hit for any power, didn't have any extra base hits. And we want to see that come for him because if he cannot stick at shortstop, he is going to have to hit for some power. And right now it's looking more and more like that arm may not play at shortstop. And if he cannot hit for power, then that's going to put a lot of pressure on him. I mean, you have to get on base at a very, very high rate if you're going to run a, you know, 130, 140 isolated power. Uh, and he does that very, very well. It's just it's going to be a test for him. Um, Justin Henry Malloy has been really fantastic this year. I mean, he's been the best player on the team so far this year, along with Landon Stevens. Um, and neither player had a very good week last week, uh, especially Malloy. Malloy had like a 340 OPS last week. He just really struggled last week. I had heard his season numbers quite a bit. Um, not a guy that I'm, you know, these things, you know, guys have bad weeks. It's not a big deal. You know, he's a guy that could push for a promotion in the second half. He's, you know, he's a college guy who's hit extremely well at the level. I think his hit tool is playing better, a little bit better than I thought it would. Um, he's going to get tested some at double a in terms of his ability to handle off speed stuff. His defense is a very, very major question mark for him. I think that's the biggest thing that we're worried about with yeah, him there's, there, whether he there's can no play a defensive position at all. Um, he's very athletic. He's just very inconsistent. His actions are just not very good at third base. He's got a very inconsistent arm. And so he hits a lot, but if he's not really able to play a defensive position, He's going to have to hit way, way more. And that's going to put it – there is some question with this hit tool. And we're just going to have to kind of see what he does as he advances up the level. I'm not surprised that he's hitting this level well. And it, he'll be a guy that I think we get a better feel for once he gets to double A. Um, the pitching staff – the pitching staff on this team is actually 
really, really good. Dylan Dodd started out the season kind of rough, but lately, I mean, you know, our biggest question was he would get through the lineup once and then he would stop missing bats and he started giving up hard hit balls and the command would go. But lately, his last few starts, he's been really great. You know, this week he went six innings, only gave up one run. He's striking out more guys. He's striking out the guys deeper into games. And he was one that we wondered whether he would stick as a starter throughout the remainder of the year. Right now, he's proving that the patience was worth it and starting to mix his pitches better. We're seeing that advancement in terms of his sequencing and his location where he's able to use all of his pitches more consistently and get outs with those pitches. And he's not really relying on a fastball and then an occasionally good changeup. That's been a good step for him and it's allowed him to pitch deeper into games and you know, he's an older college guy. He's a guy, again, like Malloy, we want to see him tested at a higher level, but seeing the progression for him this year has been a good sign. Roy Bersalinas only struck out six guys, uh, which is a very on, low total Roybert. for him. Come on, Which is a very low total for him. Uh, yeah, he's been ridiculous this year. Um, he gave up one run last year, last week with, you know, and that's kind of been a thing for him when he doesn't strike out guys, the command's not there. He tends to give up a lot of runs. He didn't really do that this time, so it's a good sign to see him kind of being able to. He still leads. He, he still leads all minor league base, baseball, right? right? He still with, leads. He still leads yeah. all minor league baseball in strikeouts. Yeah. Without like striking out like 13 guys in a game, he was able to have success, which is a good sign for him. Um, Andrew Hoffman gave up two runs in five innings, which is a bad start for him. Uh, he's just been the best player on the team, and. There's a lot of competition at double A. You know, the problem right now is there's a guy in Hoffman that m- might be pushing for a promotion to double A at the second half of the season, but there's a lot of guys at double A that are very, very good. It's going to be hard for him to get that spot, but he's looked really good this year, and I expect him to be at double A sometime this year. The guy that is surprising is Lissandro Santos. I mean, he's made a couple starts, and he's been solid. Did, and Did not see that coming. Did not. I, I, I the thing with him is the fastball is good. Like undoubtedly the fastball is electric. It has a lot of movement up in the zone. It's a very good pitch, but the command isn't that great. I haven't been that impressed with his secondaries. And so it was a, I wasn't actually expecting him to do that well as a starter. And he's been very good. He struggled a little bit with his command early in his last start on Sunday, but he settled in after that and did well. And he's been really good as a starter. So it's kind of interesting. I mean, a left-hander with, you know, upper 90s heat as a starter, that's an interesting guy. And if we can see a little bit more development in that off-speed stuff and see him kind of command the ball better, I mean, it's an interesting arm. I do think that he's a reliever long-term, but I'm at least very intrigued to see where it goes with him. Yeah, this Rome team is a lot of fun. I do wish that Grissom would find a way to impact the ball more. Uh, and it just it seems like he really settles for – you know, just a ground ball that he puts in play. And if it gets through, it gets through. If not, it's not, he's just not, it, it, it looks the part of what his line is. That makes any sense. It's not like, you know, like laced singles that are, you know, like short hopping to the outfield. You know what I mean? Like that, that sort of thing. He like, it looks like ground balls. They look kind of lazy, uh, lazily hit balls. And, you know, again, that's just, maybe he feels like he needs to poke the ball the other way, or that's just kind of where he is right now in terms of where his timing is. But I do wish he would time up some more pitches and, you know, be able to drive the ball with more authority because it would certainly do the do Rome a lot good. Uh, I do want to shout out a little bit of Cody Milligan. I think that guy is like perennially underrated by us. 
uh, and just everyone in general. The guy just gets on base constantly out of the leadoff spot, steals bases. He just does a lot of work for that Rome team. It's kind of like the where that uh, that offense starts. Uh, you know, he's the guy that like you know if they score five runs, if they score five runs, he scored two of them. Uh, even if he doesn't drive in the runs and maybe he doesn't have extra base hits or whatever, uh, I, he's a guy that I think would look really interesting in Double A as well. I want to see how he would hit against those guys. You know, in Dodd and Salinas, those are two guys that have are very different pitchers, but two guys that I think that going into the season we had high expectations for. Uh, well, in, in Dodd's case, we had high expectations for him, and in Roiber, we didn't at all. And then we kind of started raising ours and lowering ours with Dodd, and now they both seem to be kind of ascending a little bit. I mean, Roiber Salinas leads all minor league baseball in strikeouts. He had a healthy lead over second place Grayson Rodriguez going into last week. I can't, I haven't looked at the numbers lately, but he, it was not particularly close. Really, really exciting to kind of see that arm in the system. I still think that guy with the, the effort in his delivery ends up being a reliever, but I'm not going to, you know, tell the Braves to take him out of the starting spot considering the lucky, not the luck, considering how well he's pitched in the rotation so far. Uh, and in Dodd's case, it just felt like he just didn't know what he wanted to do the second and third time through a lineup in terms of his approach. He has plenty of pitches. It's not like he's a two pitch, you know, guy that, you know, that, the batters figured out. It just felt like he was making, they were making kind of the wrong decisions for what his approach should be those second and third times through. And it seems like they've kind of settled into a, a good game plan with him. And he's pitched for it all as a result of it. Um, and in Santos, I was shocked. I mean, I, I noticed that he hadn't pitched out of the bullpen in a little while. And, you know, again, that'll happen. He's especially as a, he was a multi-inning guy. He would always go like two or three as a kind of their, their long relief guy. But all of a sudden they bring him out of the bullpen and it felt kind of like they did. It did with Tucker Davidson, all those years ago when he was at Rome. Now, that was, this was at Loway when that happened. Um, but just, you know, turning a reliever, a lefty reliever that can go a couple innings, and all of a sudden they give him a look as a starter. And the, re- the early returns are very good. Uh, I, I like his stuff. I like the, how the, the types of swings and misses he gets, the type, types of deception he has combined with the stuff. Hopefully that sticks. I, I, I think I'm with you in the sense that I think that maybe long-term what will end up happening is that this was a fun little experiment, but he ends up back as a reliever. But, you know, that's it's a live arm, and he was look, he looked good as a reliever. He was a he, he would shut teams down for those two innings he would come in. And, you know, maybe the Braves thought that they could get, you know, if he can be a five- or six-inning guy, that's a really interesting arm to just kind of have out of nowhere, especially considering he was a guy last year who wasn't really on our radar all that much. And to kind of get an actual starting pitching prospect out of it, you know, assuming he can keep this up is pretty exciting. All right, Garrett, it's time to talk about Augusta. The, I think it's, it's it's the weirdest team in the minor league system for the Braves. Uh, they Their offense seems to be geared a lot by drawing a bunch of walks and then hoping it all works out. And, you know, so far, so good for this week. They actually had a good week this past week, uh, particularly in the offensive, on the offensive end. They were just they, – they crushed that poor Columbia team. So talk to us a little bit what's been going on down in Augusta. Yeah, that Columbia team is uh, atrocious. Uh, uh, Absolutely. Bad. <laughs> yeah, might honestly might be the worst minor league team I have ever watched. They are that bad, um, and it shows. I mean, Augusta crushed them. Caden Morton had a really great week. Uh, he's been a guy that struggled quite a bit, and he struck out a, quite a bit last week, but not nearly as much as he typically does, which is a good sign. I mean, that's the big – when he hits the ball, he hits it hard. He hits it consistently. It's just he doesn't make enough, nearly enough contact to – tap into his raw power to take advantage of his good eye at the plate. He takes a ton of walks. He has a lot of speed last week. He was making consistent contact and he went six for 15 hit, had 
a home run, a triple, and a double. I mean, it was a really great week. Brandon Mosquito had a fantastic week. Five extra base hits for him. He was a guy that kind of got into a bit of a slump after his uh, really long on base streak ended. And then. Yeah, it was your fault. Yeah. Reba- really, right. Yeah. yeah, it's all my fault. Right. And then he rebounded and he's been really great last week. You know, he's I want to say he's the best prospect on the team on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I, he's been really good all year. Uh, Gerardo Quintero has also been really good this year. Uh, surprising for all of us, I think. I don't think any of us had him. He has. He has all. to have like 150. He has like 150 <laughs> WRC plus. Whenever I recap, I like know. every game, yeah, it's like a multi-hit game with a home run. Five straight multi-hit games last week. He's uh, he's been a very consistent contributor on that offense. It doesn't feel like he ever like. He feels like if there is a bunch of runs scored, he is always in the middle of doing it. It's kind of a guy that I don't know how to feel about him because I don't see enough power there. I don't know if I see the profile there for him to, you know, advance the major level. But he's a guy that he hits the ball a ton and he's really been a very good contributor for the Augusta team. Caleb Durbin has been very good. Uh, He kind of struggled for a little bit, too, but. He turned around last week. He had five hits. He had a five-game hitting streak for him right now. Uh, the power is not showing up as much as it did early in the season, which doesn't surprise me. I didn't think that he was a big power guy, but he is hitting the ball fairly well. He's a really good base runner, a very smart base runner. He has 21 stolen bases this year. Despite not really having blazing speed, he's a very intelligent base runner, and he uses his speed well. Um, Adam Zabrowski is not a very fast guy at all, but he can hit the no. ball a long way when he makes contact. He's had solid weeks. Makai Backstrom had a really good week last week. Uh, He only played three games. He's not getting a ton of consistent playing time. Zabrowski's taking a little bit of that time at DH. um, And you're seeing a lot of guys get time on that infield. And so he's not getting five games a week. You know, he's getting one or two, three games a week. But his OPS in the season is up to 729. A ton of strikeouts. I mean, a ton of strikeouts. Uh, he strikes out at a level that's obviously not sustainable, but when he hits the ball, he hits it extremely hard. Yeah, he hits it extremely hard when he hits the ball. He's fairly athletic. He's just a guy, his swing is long, and there's some adjustments there that he needs to make. But overall, he I've seen improvements out of him this year, and as long as he continues to improve, he's a young guy. Give him time. Let's see where it goes. He's a guy that we knew he was raw. We knew he was a... Um, a risky prospect, but given where they got him in the draft and where that raw power is, if he can figure it out, give him time and let's see what happens. Uh, the pitching staff for this team, uh, yeah, I mean, it's actually been fairly solid, especially the starting pitching. Um, Jordano Perez has been very good for them. Um, JJ Necro has been by quite a wide margin, their best pitcher. I mean, he has like a two zero seven ERA this year. Uh, and Just like he's we striking out a, yep. Right, he's striking out a fairly good bit of guys. Um, I, he's been really fantastic. He pitches very deep into games. And for a team that, especially at this level, a lot of bullpen guys get a ton of work because guys typically in the rotation don't have a lot of command. And so they only go three or four innings. And that bullpen get, get overworked very quickly. Having a guy like Necro that's going to give you six or seven every time, Helps that team a ton because it saves the bullpen a ton. Um, but the guy on that roster that is by far the best prospect on the team, it, it's not really even a debate at this point, is A.J. Smith-Shaver. And he, show, like, he showed this last 
week with his start, when he is commanding the ball, he is absolutely, I mean, fantastic. He's one of the top pitching prospects in the system overall. He's been arguably the most impressive pitching prospect in terms of increasing his value in the system other than maybe Salinas. I mean, he has three pitches. Last week it was seven strikeouts and one walk in five innings. His stuff is fantastic. He uses it very well. He has a an idea of an approach. He has an idea of command. He has a changeup in use. He does everything right. He's only 19. I, I, everything that Smith Chauver does is a lot better than I expected it to be at this stage. And when he is on, you know, We've said it before, his command can get away from him towards the end of games, but when he's on, guys at this level can't really do anything with him. That upper 90s fastball with a great slider and changeup, guys at this level aren't capable of handling that consistently, and he's incredible when he is on. Yeah, he's, he's really. I love when the fastball, he's commanding at the top of the zone or just out of the zone, because again, let's look the when he's throwing that ball that hard with that kind of movement and it's like a close pitch, these guys can't help but swing at it. And there's just no chance they're going to catch up to it. It just doesn't happen. He just, he blows it right by him. Uh, when he gets in trouble is when, you know, the key just, it's way out of the zone and they can lay off of it. And then he feels like he has to kind of throw things more, you know, respectably in the zone. And then, you know, he might get hit around a little bit or he doesn't have his command and, you know, he ends up drawing a whole bunch of walks. But overall, I, love, I really love what I'm seeing out of Smith Shaver this year. Uh, I've been pleasantly surprised by Brandall Mesquita. I kind of, you know, I meme on Garrett quite a bit over his love for Mesquita, but like the guy can just flat out hit. <laughs> it just full stop, he can hit. And he's going to be a guy that's going to end up in our top 30 healthily. So I imagine when it's all said and done, once we make that uh, after the draft this year. This team is a weird one to me because there's a lot of guys who have, like, Morton and Backstrom are guys who, like, can't consistently hit the ball, but like Backstrom draws so many walks. Uh, Morton draws some too, but it's nothing like Backstrom where it's like hitting under 200, but he still somehow has like almost an 800 OPS because he just draws so many walks. And then when he does hit the ball, he hits the ball far. Uh, he, like it doesn't seem like he would have to figure out all that much to really kind of get a bunch of helium in the system. But in Morton's case, you know, he needs like these to start stringing together these big weeks like he had this past week where he was making consistently hard contact and actually kind of getting more getting the job done. Uh, seeing some incremental inc- imp- improvements from Stephen Paolini. Uh, I wouldn't call them large improvements, but, you know, it seems like he's kind of involved in the offense more rather than just being kind of one of those automatic outs like he was last year. It's, you know, he's again, he's another like weird project type guy that's on this team. That If he figures things out, he's another guy that has all the tools you could ever want. Um, and you know, you know, I, I do love me some Caitlin Durbin. I, he's, he's one of those weird players. He doesn't really strike out ever, but he, you know, he's, you know, doesn't not exactly driving the ball with a ton of authority either, but you know, with all these steals, uh, and he's not, I wouldn't call him particularly fast either. He's just, you know, he's very willing to test the, the catcher's ability to try to throw him out. And he really picks his spots well in that particular spot. Uh, we are going to touch a little bit on the Florida, uh, the Florida complexity, which did open up, um, a little bit disappointing, just to be honest about it. Uh, we have not seen Ambioris Tavares, the, pro- the prospect that we were the most looking forward to on that team. Uh, it was an international signing a couple years ago. He has not debuted for that team. And Tyler Collins, we think he might be dealing with an injury. We're not 100% certain about that, but he played two games, I think, uh, and didn't finish that second game, and he has not played since. So that all of a sudden, that, forward, that FCL team is looking a little bit dicey. Uh, that kind of track with what you're seeing. Uh, and you know, maybe sharing any thoughts with what's going on in the DSL with Diego and all those guys. 
Yeah, it's it's unfortunate because I think that we were extremely excited to see that team. There was some talent there, and the complex league in the past has been a little bit of a rough spot up until the draft. Uh, and this year, I think with a guy like Collins, with which I was frankly surprised wasn't at low A, which that could also be an issue with injuries too. With Tavares, I mean, it's a team that we were excited for, and we haven't seen it. Um, this year and it's kind of a team that we keep an eye on but we're not like we keep an eye on to see those guys you know a guy like mosquito that kind of had a solid year last year to break out at least those are the guys that you kind of get to your eyes on you kind of get an idea of but not seeing those top prospects is disappointing down in the dsl i mean diego benitez has been really solid i mean a few more strikeouts than you want to see but he's drawing a ton of walks which that's that level the the dsl is just a walk fest all the time and he's hitting the ball well he has an ops over 800 870 right now I, you know only four games but five games sorry but he's been really good and he's a guy that i think that we expect to see stateside at he may not come stateside this year I would not be surprised if he did. I would actually kind of expect he would come stateside this year, but he's a guy that at the very least we're going to see him stateside next year. My God, he was born in 2004. That's so weird to me seeing guys born in 2004 in pro ball, but I mean, he's a young guy that's we're really excited about. And I hope we see him in um, Florida this year. Uh, if not, I wouldn't be entirely surprised, but I do think that he is, if he stays in the DSL, he's going to dominate. Um, if they move him over to the Florida Complex League, I think we're going to get a better feel for him. And I think that he's a guy that once we start seeing that professional performance, we're going to get a little bit more confidence in kind of what to do and where to put him in the prospect list. Because he's a guy that going forward, him, Tavares, Collins, those are guys that this is a weak system now. But if those guys start performing – suddenly those are guys that can really push the system up very quickly because those are talents that can change the landscape of a system. Yeah, especially as guys who are in their own ways impact bats, right? Um, I, I am curious as to how the Braves are going to handle the international guys if they're going to be aggressive with moving them or just like kind of that stay with that, that traditional mold of let them play an entire year down the DSL. I just don't know if they have, the Braves have the infrastructure down there in the Dominican Summer League to kind of give them all the coaching that they want down there. And maybe if they feel like that they, they are advancing well enough that they'll move them to Florida Complex League relatively quickly because they certainly have what all the coaching and development they would want down there. Again, it just kind of comes down to how aggressive they want to be in moving those guys. And that, there's a lot that goes into that, moving a guy, moving guys all the way out you know, moving them stateside, there's a lot of things that go into that. So I'm curious as to kind of how that goes. If you want more updates what's going on with the Florida Complex League and the Dominican Summer League, we're actually going to have a post going up on Wednesday. Uh, Matt's putting that together. It's going to kind of an update as to what's going on with all those, you know, rookie ball and lower type players. That is not going to be something that's going to be a particularly regular update for right now just because we're just uh, the, the guys that – frankly are the most interesting haven't been playing all that much if that changes then that also could change where that turns into a weekly feature or something but we did want to at least get an article out for you guys to talk a little bit about you know what's going on that we haven't seen Tavares that we haven't seen uh, much of Collins and things like that so we're gonna have that article coming out Wednesday so make sure you look on battery power for that Garrett is there anything else you want to share with folks before we let him go Nah, a uh, quick note on Victor Vodnik, who has been solid at AAA, and that is a – I'm not so sure we're going to see him this year, but that is an arm that we should be very much on your radar for the beginning of next year out of the bullpen. 
Yeah, I do love me some Vodnik out of the bullpen. As a starter, it's a little more uh, speculative, but you know he seems like he's kind of settled into that role down there in AAA, and certainly an arm that we get asked a lot about because he's a guy that we were high, that a lot of us were high on. Some of us were more thinking that he was more likely to be a reliever than others, but it seems like he settled into that reliever role well. If you want to make sure you never miss a single episode of this podcast or any of the podcasts from Battery Power, make sure you subscribe to the Battery Power podcast feed on whatever your preferred podcast purveyor is, Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. Just search Battery Power. You subscribe. You get this podcast, which is our minor league show. You also get the flagship Battery Power show hosted by the great Brad Rowland, sometimes by myself, sometimes by Scott Coleman as co-host as well. And then you get the Daily Hammer hosted by Sean Coleman, which is kind of our daily update. What, what happened in the Braves game last night? Quick for your ride into work type of show. Really, really fun to have all those shows on the feed. And the support that you guys have given all the shows has been fantastic. Thank you all so much. And until next time, we'll see you on the road.